your Locked On Coyotes, your daily podcast on the Arizona Coyotes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another episode of Lockdown Blackhawks and Lockdown Coyotes, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Just want to say thank you to everyone out there for making the show your first listen here to start off your day. And a reminder that you can check out both shows 100% for free wherever you get your podcasts and also on YouTube. I'm the host of Lockdown Blackhawks, Jack Bushman, joined today by one half of the Lockdown Coyotes podcast, Robin Leano. Robin, thank you so much. Let me say first for taking the time to join me this afternoon. I know we had some typical, some technical difficulties behind the scene that we had to battle through, but glad we worked through it and uh, glad you're able to join me here today. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing all right. Glad to be here. Now glad to be able to, you know, get back talking some hockey. Uh, you know, it's always a good thing to talk about hockey, especially when it's a situation like where we're in right now with these two teams. <laughs> Absolutely. I figure that's a, a good point to start off because the last time that we actually talked, this is the first meeting between these two teams this season coming on Friday night at the United Center. Last time we talked was prior to the start of the season and we're getting close to the midway point here. But back when we did our last crossover, I think, you know, we both expected our teams to be right there at the bottom in the hunt for Connor Bedard and the number one overall pick in the 2023 NHL draft. And uh, one of our two teams here is doing a little bit better than I think we both expected. And it's certainly not my Chicago Blackhawks, Robin. Uh, the Arizona Coyotes are, they've picked up a, a point I've, I saw in half of their game so far. They're 13 18 and five on the season, 31 points. That's 11 more than the Chicago Blackhawks have right now. Kind of tell me about how this Coyotes team, I mean, they're not, you know, like over, um, over exceeding expectations too much here. They're still 28th in the NHL, but kind of talk me through what's kind of went at least semi well for the Coyotes so far this season. And also how do you feel about that in a year that incentivizes being at the bottom? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because the the Coyotes were supposed to be really bad. And we all anticipated them to be as bad as, you know, the Blackhawks, the Ducks, and the Sharks. Just something just, you know, came and, you know, players surprised. Lawson Krause is having himself, you know, a, a career year, as is Clayton Keller, which those are two players who are core players for the future of this Arizona Coyotes. Um so it's a good sign to see them do well. It's like, okay, we know that's that's going to happen. You know, we saw the uprising of Dylan Gunther, who I didn't expect to see, you know, go past his 10 games. Uh, right now he's uh, over in Team Can you know, with Team Canada during that World Juniors. But it's still to see all, you know, like, you know, all those Coyotes players do so well. You know, rookie and Matias Michelli for a long time was potentially even getting like, you know, some, you know, talks about, hey, might be a Calder candidate. Um, he ended up getting injured and now is out for like another four weeks or so. But like, you know, some of these players just absolutely surprising. And then there's one other thing. It's the Mullet Arena. They are, they have a winning record at the Mullet Arena. No one knows why. Like beat the Boston Bruins and the 
Toronto Maple Leafs at home, but then they'll lose to like some other team on the like just like like uh by a lot on the road. Like we don't know what it is. It is absolutely weird. We're calling it mullet magic. It is just something else. <laughs> well, it's been, you know, interesting to see them be able to kind of have that environment in Arizona and be able to, like you mentioned, pick up some big wins. And while I did mention <clears throat> there's obviously incentives to not winning games this year, it has to feel good as a Coyotes fan, right? To pick up wins over those teams and to, you know, kind of see some progression and some camaraderie, it feels like down there. Obviously, you know, at least from an outside perspective, I hope I'm not being ignorant when I say this, it feels like it's, you know, not the most, uh, it's not an ideal situation for the crowd, but they've really made the most of it. <clears throat> and it's kind of brought some fun and intense energy to the Arizona Coyotes. And I feel like they've really needed that. So to feel that kind of, uh, you know, that buzz in that home stadium or in that home arena, excuse me, I think that's pretty cool. And I think that's something that Arizona is going to be able to hang their hats on. And as they try to get better and better, hopefully that will give them a, a big advantage. Yeah. I know, you know at, at this point, it seems like um, it seems really hard for the Coyotes to, you know, tank as much for, you know, that Connor Bedard sweepstakes and um, maybe even might be out of the Adam Fantilli sweepstakes as well. But like, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in the belief that, okay, this draft, I mean, draft is going to be deep anyways. I think they can make a really good decision. Maybe they see somebody else who they want to pick up who fits their system. Um, the and Plus, on the other side, too, is Bill Armstrong has said, you know, a, a lot of other things. You know, one is the majority of, you know, he wants to go through the draft. So um, that's what we've been seeing so far with who they drafted last year. Uh, and the other big thing, it's not just you Neil know, Armstrong saying it, but, you know, it's a big majority thing of what the Coyotes organization is saying is, you know, focusing on development, player development, you know, making sure these guys get or, you know, become comfortable in their positions and, make sure, you know, get out of this rebuild faster than, you know, than is what really, you know, would super needed. So, like you're saying, if they can go, you know, much better there, like, they, okay, we'll take it. And... I'm glad they're moving faster than we expected. I would like to see them get a better player in this upcoming draft. But, um, you know, I can't complain, though. I think any time a team gives so much excitement to, um, especially on a, uh, you know, during a down year when they're in a smaller venue or whatever, they still produce that excitement. And I think that is kind of what you want uh, while they're kind of getting ready for the rebuild as well as a new arena. I absolutely agree. And hey, you never know what happens. It's all going to come down to a lottery anyway. So just because the Coyotes are winning some more games here, they could still wind up with first, second, top three pick. That's kind of the interesting thing that comes on with tanking. It doesn't really guarantee you anything. So we're going to have to wait until the draft lottery in order to know for sure, regardless of where these two teams finish at the end of the season. But one thing you just mentioned, Robin, is the development. And that's one thing I certainly wanted to ask you about, starting with two young first-round picks that have been up with Arizona so far this season. You referenced Dylan Gunther's obviously playing the World Juniors right now. And then Barrett Hayton's someone I wanted to ask you about as well from uh, for each of those two guys, can you kind of tell me what you've seen from them this season and how are you feeling about them as being part of this rebuild? And then I'll ask you more about some other guys 
who are coming up in the system in just a little bit after. Yeah, you know, Gunther's an interesting one because, um, you know, like I mentioned, I didn't expect him to be part of the final roster going into opening day. And then when he got announced, I'm like, okay, he probably will play his nine games and then get sent back because I really think that, he, you know, the Coyote is tanking. I don't think there's a spot for him on this roster right now just because we don't want to, we don't want to discourage him anyway. We don't want to kind of put him in that environment. But he still he still performs well. He still kind of put has a good attitude, um, and he's been good. He's had up and downs as a rookie should, especially at his age at 19 years old. And but he looks good. He looks good out there. Uh, I honestly can't say the same thing for Barrett Hayton. He's had, probably had a lot more downs and up. Um, you know, I wonder to me how he's going to fit in the Coyotes organization because he's listed as a center. But the Coyotes and centers, in terms of center depth and prospects, are like pretty actively loaded. You know, not only do they have, um, you know, if you look at it, they have, you know, Logan Cooley and Connor Geek are going to be coming in at some point. Um, you know, if they can, you know, somehow go for Connor Bedard, then that's another, you know, um, as much as everyone to say, it's not, if, you know, I don't want to try to like, you know, speak it into existence but like you know everyone loves to talk about the you know the potential of the austin matthews homecoming there's another center like but it is like if the coyotes bring in so many centers um also um jack mcbain and nate smith from the who came in from the ncaa over the over the uh last season also centers that makes me wonder how do you fit in barrett hayton and given what for what i'm seeing I'm not sure he has a place at the Coyotes long term. At least now, okay, we'll see how he fits. You know, top nine forward, but as everyone else develops around him, it's going to be hard to see that. Yeah, and Cooley and Geeky were the two that I was going to ask you about next. But I guess, kind of in general, how do you feel about this Coyotes prospect pool? Are you confident enough that once these guys step onto the scene, there are better days to come or do you think there's still more to be added in the next couple of drafts you know i started putting together a you know like a top nine forward um for the arizona coyotes in like 2024 right and, and like the 2024 2025 season i'll say and like i was like astonished i'm like holy crap this team can actually be really good because you at that point, Logan Cooley will be ready. At that point, Dylan Gunther will be kind of, you know, on top of things. Lawson Krause and Clayton Keller will be running the show. And I just keep looking at all these other players, and I'm like, this is a top nine, I think, can, you know, can make a push for the playoffs. And I think it would actually be a really, really exciting team to watch. Like, I know people might think call, call me crazy, but, like, you know, just because they don't, they haven't seen enough of these players, and a lot of us haven't seen enough of these players. But you know, just by you know paying attention to their development and and the trajectory they're on, I think that's the kind of path that they're going down right now. I don't think you're crazy whatsoever. I know people haven't seen much out of this Coyotes team in quite some time, but. They are, I believe, building something special here, and the talent's undeniable. When you go and look at this prospect pool, it's, you know, some of these guys, it'll, at the very least, you think are going to be studs, if not all of them. 
especially at the forward position, it feels like the Coyotes have a lot of special talent coming through the pipelines in the next couple of years. Uh, but before I flip it on over to you, Robin, to ask some Blackhawks questions, the one thing I do have to ask about is Jacob Chikrin. What's kind of going on there? Can you provide me with the latest? Do you expect him to be moved? And what are kind of your thoughts on the whole thing? Yeah, a point in which the magnifying glass has gotten a bigger to pay attention to Jacob Chikrin because, um, you know, Carl, my co-host, and I have talked about timeline of when we expect Jacob Chikrin to be moved. Um, we gave, you know, three potential dates. We have the all-star, all-star break, the trade deadline, and, uh, and uh, at the draft. Uh, those were the three. And we said, all right, if he doesn't, you know, come out swinging when he comes back from his injury um, and just kind of like is a little bit slow, we'll probably push it more towards the draft. If he continues to ramp things up and keeps, and is fast, you know, and looks good, we're looking probably more towards that all-star break. So we're getting close to that. We're getting really close to that point in which Jacob Trickin is going to get traded. We know he's going to get traded. It's not a matter of if at this point. It is a matter of when. Um, and it is a matter of, of with who, because, you know, we know there have, there are teams out there who really want Jacob Chikrin, but are trying to figure out, can they afford that value? What he's going to be in with, because the Coyotes are asking a lot. And the only team that so far I've heard has had the, uh, you know, the, and the top name, or whatever is the senators. I haven't heard much else, but. Um, but we'll see, you know, again, we're getting, we're getting close. I'm sure other team names are, are just going to, uh, come on, come on out and see what they got. Yeah. Rumor has it. The senators have been asking everybody for a defenseman here as of late. Uh, we'll definitely hear more. I'm sure about this topic. As you said, it feels inevitable that Chikrin is going to get dealt at some point here in the next couple of months. A lot of Chicago Blackhawks will probably be involved in those very same conversations as well. All right, Robin, thank you so much for providing that insight on the Arizona Coyotes, their prospect pool in the start to the season. Coming up in just a minute, I will flip it over to you to ask none other than yours truly some Blackhawks questions. But real first, folks, I got to talk to you all about Bet Online, which is your number one source for all pro and college sports betting needs this season. You can find all of the latest developments, game matchups, news, and even podcasts on whatever game you want to place a wager on. And BetOnline is also your continued source for all sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and game scores. And I personally love it because, first off, it's both the fastest and the easiest way to place a wager. And they also have everything from the NHL, the NBA, college basketball, college football, bowl season, UFCs coming back right around the corner. They got boxing and they even have golf. So head on over to the website today, or you can also use your mobile device right now to learn about all of the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. All right, back here for segment two, turning it over on to Robin to ask me some questions about the Chicago Blackhawks. Robin, the floor is yours. Yeah, you know, the, you know, I, I was trying to pay attention to the Blackhawks as much as I can, to see, you know, because we're talking about tanking teams. Um, Thing that's I guess so far I'll, I'll start off with that has surprised you in the sense that you know we we expected them to be the, to be at this point in the standings but 
you know, any players that surprised you, anything that stood out to you that kind of like, you know what, I think there's, I think there's still hope for that future. You know, one thing I will say that has kind of surprised me has been the play of Max Domi. He, I think it is clear that he's probably not a top line guy anywhere. And there are some nights where you can just tell his skill set isn't on the same levels as Patrick Kane. And, you know, there are some, some nights where he's not able to take advantage of Patrick Kane's skill set properly. But I've been really impressed with what I've seen from Domi in the goal scoring department. His tenacity has been really good. And he's been one of the few guys who's been chipping in offensively for this team. It's been an absolutely brutal stretch for this Blackhawks team offensively, Robin. They've scored zero or one goal in nine of their last 12 games. It's been abysmal. They're not getting much help from the bottom six and even the big guns like Patrick Kane. He only has 27 points in 37 games, which is like for Patrick Kane, you go look at his numbers historically. That's that's pretty dreadful for him. And he's the leading scorer on the team. So there, there hasn't been much going well for this Blackhawks team, but I have been impressed with what I've seen out of Max Domi so far in his Blackhawks tenure. And interestingly enough, everyone kind of assumed that Domi was just going to get flipped by the Blackhawks at the deadline. And according to uh, some sources, apparently even he was told by the Blackhawks when he signed this deal that, hey, we're probably going to trade you come March. But now Domi might have found himself a home here in Chicago. Apparently, even though the Blackhawks are losing every game, He's really enjoying himself. He enjoys head coach Luke Richardson. He enjoys playing in this city. He's talked really highly about everything. And uh, according to Elliot Friedman recently on the 32 Thoughts podcast, we heard that Domi could potentially be sticking around and could get an extension from the Blackhawks. So kind of interesting to hear that. I don't think anyone expected that to be part of the plans, but I think Max Domi and his kind of tenacity and also what he's provided offensively has been a nice little surprise so far this season, Robin. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting when I hear something like that because, you know, sometimes, like, all a player needs is just, like, a change in scenery or just something different, you know, to be going on in their day-to-day life that, like, oh, you know what? I'm going to go kick things into gear. Um, You know, and I think, you know, Coyotes fans can be kind of glad to hear that of Max Domi. Maybe some. I know know there's a lot of not... Not a lot of Coyotes fans are, are fond of Max Domi. There are still some that are <laughs> as a, a former Coyote himself. But, I mean, it's it's good. it's nice. Like, I'm personally saying it's nice to see that he's, uh, you know, kind of, like, found the groove on that side. Um, but he also mentioned, uh, you know, you know Patrick Kane. And I want to ask about, you know, him and Taze because, you know, like, there are – a lot of armchair people out there who still wonder, you know, what their tenure now looks like um, with the with the Blackhawks, given you know where they're at right now. And I know they're in their they're in a final year of a of a long contract, but uh, you know what what do you know about those two players right now? Yeah, not much concrete, unfortunately, has come out in the past couple months. I will say though, uh, both Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves are represented by the same agent and Pat Brisson is his name. He plans to talk to the Blackhawks front office sometime either this week, next week, sometime here early in January. So it sounds like we could have a little bit more context potentially on what, you know, both players are considering doing as we approach the trade deadline. But all in all, the main thing that's kind of stayed the same the past several months, Robin, is that the expectation is for neither of these two to be back, at least at the start of next season. It is going to be complicated to trade, you know, 
even just one of them, considering there's the full no movement clauses, they have the full say about where they want to go. Also, there's, you know, working their contracts in financially as each player makes $10.5 million this year. They're probably going to have to, you know, for Kane, the Blackhawks do, they could retain some money. But with Jonathan Taves, asking another team to kind of take on $5.25 million is still a lot for him. So you might have to get a third team involved there. Then there's the two sides just negotiating a deal that works fairly for both of them. There's also the factor that who knows if Patrick Kane or Jonathan Taves want to pick up and move their families when they're going to be free agents at the end of the year and might have to move again. It could perhaps work to their favor to wait until free agency and then kind of choose where they want to go. Uh, So there's a lot that goes into this, right? And it's very complex in order to get a deal done. But the same expectation is that sadly, it feels like both these two are probably going to be gone. If I had to say right now, Sounds like Patrick Kane's the one who is kind of more so in people's minds considering leaving while Jonathan Taves as the captain here and he's been that forever. Apparently that's giving him a a couple more thoughts about it. I personally would have thought it would have been the other way around. Taves has kind of critiqued the Blackhawks and their moves in the media kind of publicly the last few years and clearly hasn't been happy with the direction of the team. So, you know, either way, trade deadline at the end of the season, I just I don't see a way how either of these two come back. And it's unfortunate to say, but that's just kind of the reality of the situation where the Blackhawks are right now and where both of these two are at this point in their careers. Right. Yeah. I want to shift things to, uh, to prospects. I'm a huge fan of talking prospects um, as someone who has uh, covered the American hockey league for, uh, for years. I covered the American hockey league for a solid six years before I moved up to the Valley in Phoenix um, is there anyone that you see that uh, is maybe on, that you feel is on the verge of getting a call up, you know, saying to uh, maybe get their shot, you know, get a couple games in, um, that you feel like could 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 fit for the uh, Blackhawks down the road? Yeah, it's actually funny you say that because uh, Patrick Kane actually was kind of, uh, we believe it's a lower body injury of some sorts. He didn't return for the third period in the Blackhawks last game against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Tyler Johnson, also another guy who the Blackhawks play in their top six, was scratched just before puck drop due to a non-COVID related illness. And as a result, the Blackhawks have called up Lucas Reichel from the Rockford Ice Hogs of the AHL, one of their, uh, undoubtedly their top forward prospect that they have in the system right now. And he's really been tearing up the A the last couple of years for Rockford. He's got 36 points in 32 games so far this season. Uh, got 11 or 12 games worth of action at the end of last year. He's only been up for one game so far this year. And it feels like if things go well, perhaps he could be around for a little bit. But the Blackhawks at the same time are really valuing what they have right now down with their AHL affiliate. It's a really young and uh, a team that's been connected for the past couple of years now. And this is kind of the wave of players that the Blackhawks are really hoping are going to make a difference in this rebuild. So honestly, even if Reichel does well, I feel like they want him kind of being the man down at the AHL level. But I think a lot of Blackhawks fans are, are super stoked about this kid's future. He's been a, a really dominant player everywhere he's been. We just haven't really seen it at the NHL level yet so far in his couple of short call-ups. But I think a lot of people are excited to see what Lucas Reichel has to offer potentially in this game on Friday. It feels like he's probably going to get into the lineup. 
Uh, and there's a couple other guys I do want to mention. Isaac Phillips is a fifth round pick from 2020 that uh, has really risen through the prospect rankings kind of rapidly. And I don't think anyone, even, you know, Blackhawks media folk and myself, like, I don't think anyone saw this ascension coming from Isaac Phillips, but he looks like he belongs. I think he's played five or six NHL games now on the Blackhawks second pairing with Connor Murphy. And he's been a big sturdy presence. That's already kind of, I think, established himself and proven that he's ready for this. And there's a lot of defensemen that are kind of on that cusp for the Blackhawks right now, Robin. And I expect once the Blackhawks kind of unload some more pieces at the deadline, we're going to see more of those players, maybe in Alex Vlasic, if he gets back to being healthy. Uh, Alec Regula is another name that you can kind of throw around in that mix. Um, there are a lot of defensemen that the Blackhawks are high on that should be coming up here in the next couple of years. And, uh, they're not just, am I hoping that this is really going to be the wave of the decor that kind of changes how things have gone for the Blackhawks because defensively they've been inept for far too long. It's been a huge issue for this team, uh, but the Blackhawks organization is apparently very high on a lot of these guys as well. So it doesn't seem like it yet. The Blackhawks haven't really... Um, called up a lot of their prospects so far this season, but I do expect more of that to come in the second half of the season when guys are inevitably being shipped out. Absolutely. Something that I, I just love hearing is, you know, seeing the, you know, that difference between the Coyotes and the, and the Blackhawks. And the, you're talking about those prospects, a lot of them defensive prospects, and you got that core coming up. The Coyotes are all offensive prospects. And like, it's, it's, it, it's, it's, it's a huge difference. It kind of tells you where some of these teams kind of, you know, prioritize, you know, what they, you know, what they got going in the system. But uh, that's good to hear uh, that they got, you know, you know, that those coming, those coming up. That's, I think that's all the questions I think I have for the, uh, for the Blackhawks though, Jack. Perfect. And you bring up a good point. The Blackhawks know they have to focus on drafting forwards heavily this year and probably the year after too. That's really the area where they have to focus on moving forward. So great point that you just brought up, Robin. Yes, we, we definitely are a little thin in the prospect pool at the forward position. But uh, before we kind of wrap this thing up, I don't know how many folks out there actually care about this game on Friday night or will actually be watching, but uh, I figure we can just talk about a couple maybe keys or things to keep an eye out for or that, that you're looking for in this one. Um, how have the Coyotes been playing in their past couple of games and what are some things that uh, you're looking for out of them on Friday night? You know, the Coyotes are um, interesting in the sense that, you know, well, again, like I mentioned, they play really bad on the road, uh, make a lot of mistakes. Um, and a lot of it goes with taking too many penalties um, and taking too many dumb penalties, right? So um, that's what I'm going to be looking forward to and looking for in this game is, you know, how quickly they come out um, and if they come out with a penalty too too fast or, or something like that. If it's a freaking too many many ice on too many men on the ice penalty which has happened more times probably for the coyotes than any other team this season um or just a simple delay of game penalty or anything that's literally can be avoided like that is what i'm focusing on because the coyotes make too many of those mistakes that end up costing them the game their power i mean their special teams isn't terrible it's not good but isn't terrible they've kind of held on the fort sometimes but when you give a team so many chances they're gonna, they're, they're gonna, they're, you know, they're gonna go ahead and take advantage of that. 
I actually think that's a very good point that you just brought up because I mentioned earlier on the show, the Blackhawks offense has been putrid. They've scored more than one goal three times in their last 12 games. Uh, the one area where they can score though is on the power play. That's actually been pretty lively through them for them through the majority of the season. They just can't do anything at five on five. So I do think that it could be one way uh, for the Blackhawks to find a way to emerge victorious in this game on Friday night is if the Coyotes give them too many chances on the man advantage because the Blackhawks actually do have the talent there to make you pay. Uh, on the Chicago side of things, I actually do, Robin, I think this is kind of a big game for the Blackhawks. And I know no one out there wants to see this Blackhawks team win. I, I get that. And listen, losses are going to come inevitably. But the Blackhawks just got smoke-checked by one of the most injury depleted teams I've ever seen in the Columbus Blue Jackets who are without basically all of their big name players, no Patrick Line, uh, no Boone Jenner. They didn't have, it, it was bad. And the Blackhawks got absolutely, they got their butts handed to them on New Year's Eve. And then against another one of the fellow bottom feeders on uh, New Year's Day in the San Jose Sharks, the Blackhawks looked good in the first period. And then the final 40 minutes were absolute no shows. So. I don't ask much out of Blackhawks coach Luke Richardson, and I don't blame him for very many losses here in this rebuild. We knew this was going to happen this season, but there's no excuse to play that poorly against the Columbus Blue Jackets and the San Jose Sharks, who are right there with you in the tankathon right now. I'm not asking the Blackhawks to win this game on Friday night. Just show some life. Don't let the Arizona Coyotes take it to you on home ice. Absolutely depleting. Uh, it's happened to the Blackhawks too many times in recent memory. They've lost 21 of their last 23 games. I'm not going to say go out there and pick up a win, but don't get absolutely crushed by the Coyotes and don't make the fans who, you know, decided to come out to the United Center on Friday night for whatever reason and pay like $40, $50 for a ticket to this game. I, I still don't understand it. Give them something to cheer for and don't let this be a one-sided affair. So I don't really care who wins this game, Robin. I don't know if you do, um, but I think it is going to be interesting to see these teams meet up for the first time this season uh, and kind of see where they're, they're both at. These are, you know, as we talked in the offseason, we thought we were going to kind of be one and two right there throughout the way. And the Coyotes have kind of been a little bit better so far this season. So I'm excited to see this matchup on Friday night, kind of. I don't know how many other people would agree with that statement, but uh, Robin, I do want to say thank you so much for taking the time to join me this afternoon. I really appreciate it. Again, thank you for working with me through those technical difficulties. I appreciate you being patient and uh, glad we got this show in. Yeah, absolutely. Glad to be on. Uh, glad to be on. And like, you know, it should be an interesting game. Um, I, I guess that's the best way to put it. Interesting game. <laughs> I agree. Well, to everyone tuning in, just let me say thank you again for making both Locked On Blackhawks and Locked On Coyotes your first listener reminder that you can check out the show wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube for 100% for free. From Jack Bushman of Locked On Blackhawks and Robin Liano of Locked On Coyotes, thanks again for tuning in. Have a good rest of your night.